Get ready for the Synthesizer Library podcast. Because, let's face it, synthesizers are just cool. Okay, so have a listen to this. So what we have here is the Korg Microkorg. And I've just been playing some of the factory presets for you. Here are a few more of them. With that, let's get into a little bit about what this thing is and what it can do for you. The MicroKorg is a virtual analog synthesizer and vocoder. It has 37 mini keys, it has several control knobs, an onboard arpeggiator, a complete MIDI implementation, and Korg actually provides a PC and Mac editor for it. And it's been around a long time. It has had a nice long production run and I checked just today and it still is shown as a current product on Korg's website although I'm not sure they're actually making them anymore that but it looks like they are so it's been around a long time it just celebrated its 10th anniversary only about three years ago so it's yeah it's been around a long time and there have been several versions of it over the years the micro Korg XL which is not really that much bigger although it sounds like extra large um, has a better microphone um, and then there's the red and black key version. There's the gold version that came out recently. But the original version is the one I have here, so that's what I'm going to be referring to. Maybe it's because of its longevity, or I'm not sure what it is, but there are a lot of opinions out there about this particular synth. But before I get into the good and the bad with the microcorg, I'm trying to fill the podcast with a little bit more actual sound. So let's hear a little bit more of the factory presets.
So on that last one, you can hear that the resonance changes dynamically during the little performance there. And that's something that I did a lot on these little samples. And it's something that I would put on the plus column, the, the arguments for the microcorg. It has a set of knobs right across the top that you can use to tweak any of the sounds, whether it's a factory sound or one that you build, real time while you're playing, which is a really nice feature um, where a lot of synthesizers, especially the more digital ones and the ones that came out in the 80s and early 90s, they, they were all menu-driven and didn't really give you any hands-on controls. Well, this does have some menus for patch editing, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but it does give you sort of the key features that you would want a knob for um, right on the top there. And it's really great for adding dynamics to your performance. So they give you the filter cutoff, the resonance of the filter, and you have two knobs dedicated to the envelope control. One is for the attack of the envelope and the other is for the release. And then a tempo knob, um, and the tempo knob is only applicable to um, things like the delay or the tempo of the arpeggiator, but only if it's not set to sync to MIDI. But um, those other knobs, the, especially the filter cutoff and the resonance and the envelope, having dedicated controls to those is just really handy and well thought out. And since then, other synthesizers have also done the same. Um, other things that are good about the microcorg, um, it has really a wide range of sound capabilities. You can hear in these samples that I recorded that it covers everything from vintage keys. There's some pretty decent organs in the in the factory settings. There's even a Wurlitzer that I just discovered recently. Um, and then it, all the way into sound effects, drum beats, um, trance type stuff. And just, yeah, the factory presets alone just covers a wide range of settings. Let's see, other great things that I like about it. Um, it can be battery operated, so if you have a gig that you don't have any power, which wouldn't really make any sense because you need power, but um, you can take this thing really anywhere. It's small and compact and can run on batteries, so it's it's a great synth to kind of grab and go. Um, and it has wood sides, and who does who doesn't love wood sides, right? Well, before I get into some of the downsides of the microcorg, uh, let's listen do a few more of those awesome sounds. Thank you. 
Okay, that last little organ riff kind of highlights one of the parts that I really don't like much about the microcorg, and that is its mini keys. It's talked about a lot by the people who don't like the microcorg. They're not the greatest keys to play, and that little riff took me a dozen tries to get it right because the keys are so darn small and they just don't feel very good. Um so, but with a lot of practice, I guess you can you can play it. See, I just did. And another thing about it is, though, if you have um, pieces that have a really wide range of notes that you got to play quickly, you your hand does span more notes. So that, I guess, is a bonus. It's something to get used to. And, of course, you can always use it with an external MIDI controller. Let's see. Other things that aren't so great about it. The vocoder is a little bit hard to use. Um But I think vocoders in general are tricky to get right, and it probably is just something that needs more practice on my part, but it is kind of hard to use, and I'm not going to go into that very much in the podcast because I'm not very good at it. But but probably the most difficult thing about it for me is just the editing, and it just trips me up every time. It shouldn't really be that hard because all the parameters are laid out right there, silkscreened right on the front of the of the unit and the way you do it is you use two knobs on the left hand side of the grid and then those same control knobs across the top to edit the parameter and it should be really easy but for me sometimes sometimes I just grab the wrong knob because it what it's labeled for for in the performance mode like the filter cutoff on the first knob um, in in live mode but it becomes the second knob in the editing mode and just things like that, that just kind of throw me every single time I try to go to edit a patch. Um, and some of the display values that show up on the little, uh, three segment, um, numeric display are hard to interpret. Sometimes there's the letter M looks like a little curve on the bottom and a line across the top. It takes me forever to remember what that's supposed to indicate and it's almost like learning a new language when i see those strange looking letters but and i think it's just a collection of these little things that make it kind of difficult to edit patches on um but that said it's it's really not that bad it's just i've never been able to get into it and i'm going to try a little bit more though in fact preparing for this uh, podcast. I have learned quite a bit about it and I'm going to try to get more into the microcorg. It is definitely a synth that you can get lost in if you're into that kind of thing. And in fact, just last week while I was pre- preparing for this podcast, I had set something on the stove to boil and I thought oh, I'll just go down and, and work on the a little patch on the, on the microcorg just for a couple minutes. Well, it seemed like a couple of minutes to me, and by the time everything had boiled and evaporated from the pot on the stove, I was in trouble. Um, But I had fun anyway. So, in fact, here's the patch that I came up with during that ill-fated attempt to boil. Which reminds me, 
Um, if you haven't gone to check out the patch library at synthlib.com, you should go check it out. Right now, as of when I'm recording this podcast, there's patches for the Roland Juno 6 and the Insonic ESQ-1, the two synthesizers that I've featured in the past on this podcast. And um, right as I release this podcast, I'm going to open up the settings for the MicroKorg. And anyone can participate and upload your patches. So if you are a MicroKorg expert or on any of the other two synthesizers, we can certainly use your contributions and just come up with awesome patches. I'm going to try to do a new one at least every month, maybe even more, and we'll just make a big library of all sorts of patches for all sorts of synthesizers. And while you're there, also take a look at the books page. It's linked from the how-to page or down on the footer on the site. Um, It's just a link to a whole bunch of books about synthesis and synthesizers and the physics of sound and things like that. And yes, these are affiliate links that will put a little bit of money in my pocket to help keep this podcast and the website and the patch library and everything going for a little bit. So um, yeah, check it out. So there's just a few more of the factory presets on the MicroKorg, and I hope you're getting a sense through all these sounds that um, the capabilities of the MicroKorg are vast, and Korg did a really great job of programming some factory settings to get everybody started. When I first introduced the MicroKorg at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that it is a virtual analog synthesizer. So let's get into that a little bit. What does that mean, virtual analog? We haven't talked about any of those previously on the podcast, so let's define that. Virtual analog synthesizers are also sometimes called analog modeling synthesizers, and that might make a little bit more sense. It is a method of attempting to recreate the sound of analog synthesizers using digital signal processing. However, instead of just sampling the analog waveforms from those old vintage synthesizers, virtual analog synths are designed to model those analog signal paths that the old analog synthesizers used to create sound. However, instead of running signal through discrete analog circuitry like transistors and resistors and capacitors and things like that, uh, the virtual analog synthesizers use digital signal processing to recreate those circuits mostly in code that is run on microprocessors 
So does that actually work? Can you actually emulate analog hardware using code? Um, well, that's kind of up for debate. So you'll have to be the judge if it works for you. So keep that in mind while we listen to a few more of the factory presets. to apologize while listening back to some of these samples i'm hearing quite a bit of noise coming through and i don't remember the synth actually being that noisy so i think i have a bad cable somewhere and i'm not going to re-record all those samples again so um hopefully it's not too bad but i don't think the cord is actually that noisy it's probably just a problem on my part but here's some more
You know, in a mix, I think that organ sound could pass as a real organ. It's just a shame that there's not any drawbars to kind of create the real B3 sound. Um, but, of course, this is a synth, not an organ. I wanted to mention one more thing about the signal path in the microcorg. In addition to the virtual analog section that we talked about, there is a set of digital waveforms that you can use and you can mix in with the virtual analog section. These are things that kind of sample organ sounds and other things like that. And some of them are a little bit more modern feel to them and kind of give it a little extra edge. And I have just a few more of these samples to listen to. So let's have a listen to the last few. going to do it for this episode of the podcast i hope you learned something a little bit about the microcorg and if you've been thinking about getting one maybe this has helped push you one way or the other um it's a great little synth it's good to have around i'm going to try to use it a little bit more so don't forget to check out the patch library and other resources at synthlib.com and jump in and start participating let's see what you can do thanks for listening 